Morning is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, Got to play pinball and put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. We're not gonna change. We're not gonna change. Lord, I was born a rambling man, trying to make a living and doing the best. Okay, that's somebody other than the Almond Brothers. So, yes, uh, the pride of Jenkins, Kentucky, Gary Stewart. Really, big honky tonker back in the '70s, and never really enjoyed uh, the success in the '80s like he did in the '70s. But his biggest criticism was he was too country for the rock crowd and too rock for the country crowd. There you go. And that's the way I like it. It's good middle ground. Yeah. So we're uh, going to get into his, some of his music. Get back to the honky tonk in 2019 on. Philip Sexton, welcome you to the show. Good morning, everybody. It's a great day to be alive. Dividend futures are growing in popularity. Here's how they work. What's up with that? Yeah, uh, so it was an article off Barron's by Chris Matthews. Um, It it was really kind of throwing me off. why Why would somebody do this? So it says, for the income investor who seeks yield from dividend stocks and fixed income investments, there's an increasingly popular financial instrument that effectively marries the best of both worlds dividend futures these derivatives function function much like zero coupon bonds and that buyers pay a discounted price today for the potential of a full dividend payment sometime in the future <coughs> if the company in question fulfills or exceeds its promise to pay a certain dividend the investor will earn the difference between the purchase price and the ultimate payment uh Dividend futures are an asset class that is seeing increased interest from our U.S. clients, says Greg uh, Boodle, U.S. Head of Equity and Derivative Strategy at BNP uh, Parabas. He notes that they let investors take on different kinds of risk than those of stocks and bonds, adding diversification to a portfolio. So I have a few issues with this. It it seems to me almost like a... um, You've seen those, those... advertisements on tv the the that they'll pay you a part of your paycheck now or whatever right um it it seems to me that that's kind of what you're 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 trying to get there is that i'm gonna buy this this dividend future and um you know to to bank on my dividend in the next three months um the other problem is is with anything uh so you're basically selling a call or a put on your dividend you're selling a call on your dividend pretty much it, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of really creepy but the other the other thing too and i i take issue to this is where this guy at, at bmp says uh, they let investors take on different kinds of risks than those of stocks and bonds adding diversification to a portfolio you don't 
you don't necessarily need to add risks to diversify your portfolio. Right. Um, I picture it. Here's, here's an analogy for you. I picture it like getting into a vehicle. Your risks are getting into a wreck, but you could yeah. get into a wreck head on. You could get hit in the side and you can get hit in the back. Yeah. You know, why, why, why in the world would you add that something could come up through the road and hit you from underground or something like yeah. that? You know, like you're, you're adding things that you have to watch that you can't really monitor. Um, yep. The thing is, too, is when you when you look at this and you buy a dividend future, if the dividend gets cut yep. or the dividend for some reason doesn't get paid, then your future is worthless. Right. Then you basically have wiped out your entire position. Zero. The thing is, is let's say you own the stock of the company that's paying the dividend and they cut the dividend. You still at least own the stock. You still at least own the stock. And the reason and the reason that that has so much more potential is because you've done your research yeah. hopefully on that stock. Right. Um you know, we've I I know a few times where we've actually bought a stock knowing it was going to cut the dividend because we knew the basic business of the company we knew the underlying fundamentals, and we knew that after the dividend cut, they would be able to pay down debt or rework the balance sheet, or maybe they were going to do, maybe they were going to acquire a company or something like that. But we knew that in a few years that the dividend would start to rise again. Yeah. And we also knew that the dividend after it was cut was more consistent, more predictable of a dividend. So we could wrap our arms around that income. Yeah. In this instance, if you just bought the dividend future and they cut the dividend, well, you're at zero. Yeah. It, it it's what kind of stocks would uh what kind of companies would participate in a dividend futures scenario? Would it be a company that uh was a little bit riskier? It or? wouldn't I wouldn't even say you know from a future standpoint, it would just be the um, the the market maker that you know whatever you could drive interest on. If it was an AT and T dividend or um, an Apple dividend or anything like that, you know, it because for them they're collecting uh, just a, a small little fee on every future that they. So it wouldn't be like a, a different like bonds are rated differently and with some bonds you get a uh, higher interest rate because they're a little bit riskier and the rating's not as good and all that wouldn't be what these dividend futures cuz it that's the what dividend you, what you're doing with the dividend future is you're you're selling the payment prior to getting it or you're buying the payment prior to getting it and the payment is the dividend you're buying a future on it which is going to be naturally discounted because the payment hasn't come yet. That's what you're doing. Yeah, and um, I, I think of the movie uh, the, the Big Short uh, when they start talking about how how financially leveraged the housing market had gotten. Um, when they give that example where they're in the casino and um, the guy makes the bet 
and then there's like a hundred people lined up in behind him, and he said, "I bet that that guy's that that guy's gonna win his bet." And then they're like, "All right, I'll bet a hundred dollars." And then the people behind them say, "Well, I bet that she's gonna win that bet." That you know, and it just keeps steamrolling, and it's like a, it's like having a a a whip almost, and the fact that the farther away you get from the actual thing. You know, when you just do that, well, by the time you get to the very end of that whip, it's like a big whack, yeah. crack. And that's where, you, why not, if you're going to do the research and say, hey, this company's going to pay the dividend, why not own the company? Right. Why not participate in the potential increase in value of the company from continually paying right. the dividend? It. it I don't understand why anybody would want to would want to to do this. To be honest, gamble as opposed to to have the then why'd the you holding? bring it up? Because yeah. I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I wanted a hot take. The other thing too that I also wanted to talk about from this article was when you own a company and and you pay a uh, and it pays dividends. Well, in terms of when you, you've got a a taxable investment account, not an IRA, just a, a regular taxable non-qualified account. Yep. You pay a flat uh you pay a flat tax on those dividends. Yep. Well, if you're owning dividend futures and let's say that, you know, the futures pay out within like 3 to 6 months or something like that, that could potentially be considered short-term capital gains, which are taxed at regular income. You know, you, there, there's a lot of other implications that may not be thought of when, when you're looking at this, too. Um, it, it, it seems like a dirty way on, on collecting income in the account. Yeah. Not, not, not too good. Okay. All right. Well, we're not going to be doing any dividend futures today. Or, or next week. Yeah, or next week. Or next month. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're out of the business. We never got in it. Why this ten-year-old bull market is actually a good one uh, is actually a one. Why this ten-year-old bull market is actually a one-year-old. Yeah. Morning brief. What's going on with that? Okay, so um, according to the people who uncompromisingly follow the rules to the T, the S and P five hundred hasn't experienced a bear market since the financial crisis. Uh, it's seen plenty of ten percent corrections since it bottomed in March of '09. On its way to setting new record highs at Thursday's close, but if you're referencing the market based on closing prices, the S&P has yet to fall into a bear market, uh, which is traditionally defined as a 20% decline from a high uh, closing price to a low closing price. A year ago, the S&P barely missed it, falling 19.8% from its September 20 closing price uh, high of 29 uh, thirty point seven five to its December twenty fourth closing of twenty three fifty one point one. That said, if you look at intraday prices, the story changes. The S and P fell twenty percent from its September twenty first twenty eighteen intraday high of twenty nine forty point nine one to its December twenty fourth twenty eighteen intraday low of two thirty five uh, two three five one point one. The S and P fell twenty one point five percent from its May 2nd, 2011 high of 1370.58 to October 4th, 2011 low of 1074. And frankly, 
is a 19% decline really that different from a 20% decline? The thing that, that gets me, that strikes me from this article, and, and it makes a lot of sense, is that you know you want to sit here and say that we're in a 10-year bull market, and I, I get the, you know, the, the technicality behind it, but you, you're, you're espousing that belief and making that statement on the fact that you're saying, yeah, the market has gone straight up for 10 years. But when you look at it, you've got, you know, multiple periods in there where yeah. the market drops double digit percentage. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I use the analogy of, uh, with this last, with this last little, um, 20% drop that we had, 19.8 technically when you slide down the mountain 20 percent mm-hmm. when you go up 20 percent you know if you look at year-to-date returns or you go up 20 plus percent well if you go down 20 and you go up 20 you're never back to even no so if, if you go up uh so as with a hundred thousand dollars quick math if you slide 20 percent you're down to 80 yeah if you go up twenty percent from there, off the eighty, yep. you're at ninety six, right? Which means that you still had four thousand dollars to go, which was still five percent more on the eighty, right? So you had to go up twenty five percent to get back to even. Yep. Um, you know, so really, when you if you drew a line from September fifteenth through today, you know, yeah, you can you you say you get people that say, yeah, you're to date, you know. Stock market's killed it. Well, yeah, it's, it's done extremely well. But if you go back to its prior peak, you know, it's yeah. it's not up. It's not up 30%. Right. You know, yes, it's up, but it's not up what you would expect. That's right. Uh, and that's where you, you've got to you've got to look at the total picture. You, you've got to look at every everything. You know, it, the the media can give you a uh, false sense of belief on things that. Right. You know, hey, you you need to be scared because look what the market just did this year, right? And look what it's done over the past ten years. It's you know it's been ten year bull market. Well, why don't you drill down into it a little bit and yeah. say, well, there actually has been some pretty serious corrections in here, and profitability over the last ten years has continued to climb. Uh, you know, when you look at the economic picture, it, it's it's improved continually over the past mm-hmm. ten years. So the you know, just because the media has painted a picture to you doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's really going on. Right. Um, it's it's almost like uh, the you know the state-run media in China or or something like that. You know, is that we'll make you believe what we want you to believe, right? Type thing. So that's where research really pays off for you because you can you can dive in. You can do your own homework. Um, yeah. You know, you can get the data that you need and and just really boil it down into facts. Yeah, you know that, that's where that's well because if you wanted to base if you wanted to go by by what the media wants you to believe, the ten year old bull market and it just you know continues to go straight up. Well, you could draw a line from the very beginning of the stock market's history. Yeah, to today. And straight up. And that, that line, if you went from point to point and just drew a straight line from point to point, it will have a positive slope. Yeah. Yes. You could go from the beginning to just about any period other than, I guess, 19, 
what 1929 or whatever you know it, it, that would that would probably be a downward downward line yeah but you know it the 30s yeah but any anyway there's always been a positive slope and the reason that there's been a positive slope is there's been positive economic output positive profitability growth positive demographic shifts you know more people were born every day there's a, there's a lot of factors at play that just because you say we're in a 10 year old bull market doesn't mean that it's going to die right doesn't mean that a recession is right around the corner yeah a recession happens for multiple different reasons uh could be uh, a federal reserve screw up that causes interest rates to get wonky uh, it could be a over leveraging in a certain area, um, you know, either on consumer balance sheets or corporate balance sheets. Right. Uh, you would much rather have it on consumer balance sheets, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> when you look at historical uh, facts. You know, the, the the Great Depression versus the Great Recession. I'll take the the recession any day. Yeah. Um, but because corporate balance sheets were the problem in the great Re mm -hmm. depression yeah and cor and personal balance sheets were the problem in the great recession exactly and then you could have just um you know sometimes you you have a market pullback where things just have to consolidate yeah you have to uh you know uh when you've ran so hard for so fast you've got to take a second and breathe yeah um you know, there there's a lot of lot of factors at play that you you've got to you've got to really boil it down and do the math, and then when you've got to see what the facts are telling you. Uh, you know, I've I've told Brad, our our new person, that you can look at the numbers of a company all day long and be like, wow, these numbers look good. Yeah. But what are they really telling you? You know, the the numbers paint a picture. Right. I said Vincent Van Gogh didn't paint Starry Night just because he wanted to put a house or whatever that is with the star on it and put some pretty colors on there. He had some kind of weird meaning in his head. Yeah. He was probably telling somebody that he wanted to chop his ear off, <laughs> and so he was putting it in a painting. Yeah. But you know that that's where Adars used to always tell me that stock stock investing is isn't is as much an art form as it is a science. Right. Because you have to be able to to look at the picture and what does it tell me? You know, I'm I'm looking at this computer screen right now and there's this big turtle flying through the air with a dragon coming off its back and a town and everything. I don't know what that's trying to tell me. Yeah. But I can look at a company's <laughs> balance sheet and try to figure out to a good right. picture what they're trying to tell me. Yeah. So that's that's where um you know do do your math. Do do, yeah. do your homework. Really, kind of boil it down. You mean do your research? Do your research. Do your research. Do your research. Then do your math. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Master stock picker Peter Lynch. If you only invest in an index, you'll never beat it. <laughs> Ain't that? <the> thing? <laughs> I remember when he was doing well back in the eighties. The thing that I like about this article. Well, a few things. First off, the title is perfect because yeah. if you only invest in an index, you're actually going to lose to it every yeah. single time. 
course you will. Um, especially in retirement when you're taking income from your portfolio um, because all you're doing is tracking the value appreciation and depreciation of the index pretty much because uh, there's no, in, there's no uh, index out there that's really going to pay you the income that you need right. uh, to not be liquidating it. So anytime you get a down market, you're going to be selling into it. Uh, the other thing that I really like about this article and, and you know, Peter Lynch, the, the history of Peter Lynch, uh, one of the things that it talks about is that he was, he was of the um, mindset. So his optimism, the hallmark of a growth investor is reassuring and infectious. He, reiter he reiterates his mantra. Buy stocks regardless of whether things look rosy or bleak. The thesis underlying everything, whether you're an actively managed fund or a passive fund, is that the U.S. will be okay. If you don't believe that, you shouldn't be in the stock market. Yeah. Um, he's right, in a sense, because when you look at the, the history of the United States and companies and doing business in the United States, Things have continued to like I like I said previously. If you draw a line from the beginning to the end, yeah. it's a straight up line. Um, now there is a little caveat to that. You buy things at good prices. Right. Uh, the other thing that he talks about is that every company he had over fourteen hundred companies in his portfolio. Right. He could tell you the details about every single one. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Philip Sexton. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. And your head's on my shoulder. And Lord, I'm feeling fine. Our 2019 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Coming back to the CW16 of the biggest music artists in the world. Two nights, one stage. I love the show because it celebrates every type of music. Miley plays her biggest hits. Alicia Keys surprises the festival with Louis Capaldi. Help me sing this part. And the return of Green Day. Las Vegas. Don't miss these once-in-a-lifetime moments and more. Hey, Bubba, I'm writing a letter to Santa Claus. You want to hear it? Uh, sure. <clears throat> Dear Santa Claus, that's all I got so far. I'm stuck. Okay, well, uh, what's on your wish list? Those awesome little blocks with the alphabets on them. Uh, probably some candy. And uh, me and the missus could use some fresh new wheels. Shoot, Tex, you don't need to write a letter to Santa. Just go see my good friends at Big M Nicholasville and get up to $18,000 off MSRP on a new Ram truck. Ha, <laughs> thanks, Bubba. All that thinking was giving me a headache. Yeah, I can see the smoke coming out of your ears. During Employee Pricing Plus at Big M Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Nicholasville. Get up to $18,000 off MSRP on new 2019 Ram 1500 trucks in stock. That's up to $18,000 off MSRP on a new Ram truck. Plus, we want your old car, even if you owe more than it's worth. It's the Big Finish event, only at Big M Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Nicholasville. Visit BigMCDJR.com. Example stock number R1501, MSRP 66155, with approved credit, plus tax and license, negative equity refinance, all rebates to deal, offers don't go back. The search resumes at daybreak in Hawaii for one more person still unaccounted for that was aboard a tour helicopter that crashed on the island of Kauai. The helicopter did not return from the sightseeing trip Thursday. Authorities say they've recovered six bodies. Two families were on board along with the pilot. 
The impeachment trial, when it takes place, will happen in the Republican-held Senate. On the campaign trail, Democratic candidate Joe Biden telling the Des Moines Register that he would not testify if he was subpoenaed. The former VP says he and his son Hunter have done nothing wrong and the focus should remain on the president's dealings with Ukraine that led to his impeachment. Every one of the people who sworn testimony worked for him said Biden did his job and he did it well. This is all about a diversion. President Trump in a phone call asked Ukraine's leader to investigate Biden and his son over his son's work with the Ukrainian company. 16 states under advisories for winter weather as a system packed with snow, ice and heavy rain sweeps across the country. Michelle Franz in ABC News. Weekend is off and running on a cloudy note across the area today, but it's all eyes on your Sunday forecast. A lot of water is on the way to central and eastern Kentucky with heavy rain and thunderstorms in the forecast. Low 60s this afternoon with that mostly cloudy sky. We'll see a scattered shower or thunderstorm arriving this evening. The heaviest rains, though, wait until Sunday and Sunday night. Even some strong thunderstorms. Many of us will see a general one to three inches of rain during that time. That could create some flooding issues. Temperatures again in the low 60s. Colder and drier weather on Monday. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. This holiday, it's easy to give everyone fresh gifts and goodies with Kroger's delivery and free pickup. So whether you're a cookie-tarian or a turkey-amore or a hot chocoholic or just a pumpkin spice everythinger, fresh comes with free pickup. Because at Kroger, we believe in fresh for everyone. And now, Bone-In Boston Bud is $119 a pound with card. Order for delivery or free pickup today. Restrictions apply. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Haul packages for a living? A gas-powered Mercedes-Benz Sprinter delivers. Transport people? A Sprinter van with 0% financing is a five-star idea. If food delivery is your thing, then a gas Sprinter caters to you. And if you're a general contractor, the Sprinter with 0% financing nails it. With innovation, safety, and technology, Sprinter is built for you. And it's built for your bottom line with 0% financing. The Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, starting at just $33,790. And for a limited time with IRS Section 179, you could be eligible for up to a $25,000 tax deduction. Gas engine, 0% financing, and a possible tax deduction? Now that's a Sprinter that delivers. Mercedes-Benz. Vans. Born to run. MSRP excludes all options, taxes, title, registration, transportation, charge, and dealer prep fee. Options, model availability, national dealer price may vary. See dealer for details about costs and terms. Only valid on 2018 or 2019 Mercedes-Benz Sprinter vans, excluding cap chassis. Qualified commercial customers only. Financing offer valid through January 2nd, 2020. Consult your tax advisor. For more information, limits may apply. Visit mbvans.com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Stock trading companies are profiting from humans' mistakes. You can fight back. You can. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that um, I wanted to bring up from the last article before the break, too, uh, I kind of touched on it, was, you know, they were talking about Peter Lynch. He owned over 1,400 companies, and he could tell yeah. you the details on them. Right. And he was good at it. He, he could... He kept up with him even when he was on vacation. Yeah, it's insane. Um, well, it, not insane keeping up with him on vacation, but insane keeping up with 1,400 names. Yeah. Um, he would see a company, get interested, and buy it. He wasn't what you would call total in-depth research on it. 
he would buy a company because it looked good to him. Yeah. Just kind of like betting on a horse. Um, and sometimes he'd buy their competitors also without knowing much about them. So, yes, he had 1,400 companies in his portfolio, but was he really deeply conversant with them? No. Okay. Well, that's something that you get with us, though. Yeah, you, know? you get something different than what Peter Lynch offered. Peter Lynch offered tremendous diversification mm-hmm. and a lot of stocks that he had a limited knowledge of. We have more concentration. About 30. But in stocks that we really understand. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, and I think that should be a question. You know, you always talk about asking questions. That should be a question if wherever you go or whoever you meet with. If, if you know, if you're looking at three different, you know, financial advisors, I think you should ask all three of them to really get into detail about their investment approach, even if it bores you to tears. Yeah. Because I've got to be able to explain to you why you own every piece of, you know, every stock in your portfolio. Yeah. Every piece of the pie. And I've got to be able to to have conviction behind that. Right. Um, you know, it, you ask somebody trying to sell you an annuity, explain this to me. Yep. Guarantee you he's not going to be able to get into the weeds on it. He's no. not going to be able to tell you every little fine print thing on it. Um, you know, you ask uh, an, an index person, you know, explain your approach and what are these indexes? Well, he's going to be like, well, this one, you know, this one follows the Tom Dupree show and then this one follows the... the Pretty uh, weak one. <laughs> this, one this one follows the Walmart competitors or something like that, you know, and, and he's never, you're never going to know what you own and why you own it. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, well, we think that... Uh, the Walmart competitors. That's a good example. We think that um, Walmart's going to lose market share, so we're buying this index. It's the Walmart competitors index, yeah. or something like that. You know, so you you should really know why you own stuff because in volatile times, that's when it's worth its weight in gold. Yep, because that's when you can, with conviction, dig down and buy more, make decisions, and and. You know, just really put your nose to the grindstone at that point. Yeah. And even not in volatile times, uh, two or three weeks ago, there was something that you all saw happen with one of our stocks that was a long-time holding. And you all had a quick investment meeting and talked it over and decided it was time to sell it. But if you didn't know the inner workings of that whole company and you hadn't researched it, you wouldn't have known when to take money off the table either. Right. Yeah. That's true. It's educated decisions. That's, that's you know you you don't you don't just get. I'll go back to the whole car analogy with the risk. You know you know where you can get hit from. It's the same principle. You don't get into a car and just drive willy nilly. You've kind of at least got some plan of where you're trying to get to. You know, I mean, heck, Tom, even you, you, you like to go on, on drives. Even me. E, e, well, I'm saying you like to go on drives. So sometimes you, you semi drive willy nilly or you have in the past, <laughs> but you at least have a, how general, do you know? I, I know. You he at knows least, he needs to end up back in Lexington. Yeah, but you at least had a general direction and, and a sense of where you were going. Yeah. You didn't just say, yeah, I think I'm just going to find the, 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 the craziest ghetto where I could maybe get shot. And drive around and act like I'm lost. You have to go to Cincinnati for that. Oh, stop! <laughs> hey, you know, hey, they're, they're, that. But you get what I'm saying. 
we were up in Cincinnati one time, and uh, it was pitch black. Uh, there were no street lights. In no, the not only that, all it was like a old warehouse district, yeah. and all of the buildings were um, the windows were all boarded up. And so we're driving through this neighborhood looking for a restaurant. And I, I asked this guy. We were like he, two streets over from where we should have been. Yeah, and he says, McDonald's got two for two. No, 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 you missed the point about the policeman came over to the car and the said, cop, you all need to get out of get here. Get out of here. That's and, and then in the background, there was this guy that said, and Tom said, I'm looking for this restaurant. And the, the policeman said, it's two streets over that way. You need to get out of here. And then this fella yelled over the policeman's shoulder, they got two for two at McDonald's. Yeah, wow. I said, Tom, roll up the window and drive. Right. That reminds me of um, in Chicago with, with Mike and Adarsh one time, and we were trying to find the hotel, and we ended up missing it, going past it. And we got down in, I guess, the, the south side of Chicago, yeah. and we were turning around trying to work our way back. And I'm telling you, like, they, they – like. People were just hanging out in the streets and everything, you know. Just, just you know, it's crazy in big cities how you can get one street over, yeah, and it is a completely different. <laughs> That's right. Safety the- situation. So, once again, getting back to what we were talking about, <laughs> do your research. Yeah. Know the map. Know where you are. Know where you need to know where you, where you need to go, and when you need to get the H out of. Well, and and on top of that, that's to finish the story. Uh, Darcy was like, "Oh, Mike, my contacts bother me. Do you mind if I pull over and we switch?" And Mike said, "Drive." Yeah. So that's what you get when you get with Mike. He knows when you're not in a good spot, and he will tell you, "Drive." Yeah. Keep and going. you go. That's right. Hey, I just saw here where your Hurricanes lost 14 nothing. Yeah, they suck. Oh, <laughs> They're garbage this year. Really? Talking about Miami. Yeah. yeah. It was bad. All right, you going to talk about this stock trading? Oh, yeah, let's let's get into that. Yeah, I, apologies. I, I really want to talk about that other piece real quick. Yeah, so uh, stock trading computers are profiting from humans' mistakes, and you can fight back. So it kind of goes to the other article where he talks about investing in an index means you're never going to beat the index. Well, um, so for most of the history of investing, fund managers dug into piles of financial reports and browsed over stock charts to find trading signals. While many still do that, an increasingly large share of trades are made by computers that crunch vast amounts of data in milliseconds, if not faster, to seek out performance. Uh, so... Basically, what the article saying is, is you're never going to um, to beat a computer when it comes to, you know, data manipulation and and finding um, certain trends and everything because they're they're gonna beat you potentially to that. Um, the The difference is is how to beat the computer is is you don't play the computer's game. You don't try to um, you don't try to be this trading move fast you know trader. Yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, we, we talk about uh, at the pre-financial group. We're not trying to beat the market or we're not trying to beat the computers at their game. What you're trying to you, that's that's another question you should really ask any advisor is what are you trying to accomplish with your investment thesis? Right. You know, at, at the pre-financial, what we're trying to really accomplish is we're trying to make your money work for you in a way 
that you were not forced to liquidate your portfolio over time yeah. and that your portfolio can last for you over time. Um, you know, that's the game we're trying to play. We're not trying to play a basketball player. Doesn't try to play cricket. You know, yeah. a football player doesn't try to play soccer cause it just doesn't work out for him. Football day Americano. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's what, you know, when, when, when you're really getting, when you're really getting into what you're you're thinking about retirement and thinking about picking an advisor, the question you need to ask is is what's your ultimate goal with with my money? You know what what are you trying to make it do? Yeah. Um. You know, and, and you're gonna hear answers from well, we're gonna try to make it grow, and we're or we're gonna try to beat the market, or we're gonna try to do this. Well, you need to figure out does this align with what I want my money to do? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's great if if you're saying, "Hey, we're going to try to make it grow 10% a year." Well, that's great. What happens when you don't? Yep. You know, what happens when I'm taking, you know, 5% out of my portfolio and you don't make it grow 10% a year? Let's say it goes down 10% for two two three straight right. years. Well, then you got a problem. You got a problem at that point. That that that's the questions that some of the questions you need to be asking. Yep. Well, we talked during the first hour about, uh, you know, will a million dollars last you in retirement? It depends how it all is set up. If it's yeah. if you're dipping into principal and you're spending your principal instead of uh, letting the principal work for you and and living off the income of it, yeah, it, it's not going to last as long. And it's you know you're also going to flip out when the market takes nosedives and tanks as opposed to knowing that you're going to have income off the the shares that you own while the stock rebounds or the market rebounds. Well, and that's the other thing, too. If you're living off principal, you better, and we've talked about this several times, sequence or returns, you better hope that the uh, the sequence lines up in your favor because if you're living off principal and it doesn't, well, you could be 80 years old and out of money. Right. And there are no guarantees, like I was saying in the first hour, too, but you can certainly hedge your bets a little bit more strategically. Exactly. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. It was August. And Dayton, Philadelphia. 2019. Welcome to 2020. Democrats denied entry. Israel. Protesters. Hong Kong. This hurricane. We're ready. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. What does a good financial advisor do? Perhaps it comes down to asking the right questions instead of having all the answers. For instance, should I take Social Security now or later? Am I really ready to retire? Is my money invested properly to pay me an income during retirement? These are a few of the questions that might come up in your discussion with a financial advisor. Good questions are what a financial advisor may be able to help you with. You will come up with the answers on your own. If you're not sure about some of these things and need a sounding board, call the Pre-Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a complimentary appointment. Also, you can listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 0400. 630 WLAP. She's acting single. That's a good old one. 
That'll make you think on New Year's Eve. Stocks are climbing faster than profits, but investors aren't worried. Why aren't they worried? Oh, well, that's a good question. So stock gains have lapped uh, corporate profit growth during the roaring 2019 rally, but few portfolio managers are entering the new year concerned about investor exuberance. The S&P 500's 29% rise for the year on track for the best showing since 2013 stands out in part because corporate earnings have advanced this year at a modest half a percentage point clip. Uh, rising earnings are typically the most dependable fuel for sustained stock price gains. So this goes back to what we talked about earlier in the fact that, yes, the market has rallied 29%, but it's also off a number that was down like 16% in the fourth quarter. Right. So, you know, you, you're, you, you really have to look back at, okay, what was profitability growth last year? Yeah. What's profitability growth this year? Because last year there was no credence given to profitability growth. Right. To, to any company. Um, the other thing is, so, but few market participants are worried about a stock bubble this time around. Many are reassured because the 2019 stock surge accompanied a Federal Reserve easing cycle that cooled fears of an imminent recession, widely seen as the biggest risk to share prices. Others contend that the year's profit stock disconnect is largely an accident of timing and that applying a longer time span to the comparison provided better contact uh, context. Valuations, while not a bargain, appear reasonable at a time when trade tensions are cooling and economic fundamentals appear more solid than they have in some time. So the other piece to this article that I wanted to talk about is, is that what you've seen over the past two years is you've seen, um, you know, you've seen the market shift from every stock going straight up to a piece of the S and P 500 actually, you know, underperforming, and you've actually there there's there are pieces and parts in the S and P 500 right. now that would be I would contend value. You know, yep. when you look at the market as a whole, there's it's it, you know it still doesn't look cheap, but there's there's pieces in there pockets in there that you know hey this looks like a good value yeah um kind of pieces thrown away with the trash you know the right the diamond in the in the rough uh and when you look also you've got part of the the index that had profitability decline too so you have to really go on a company by company basis you can't look at the whole widespread economy and say well profitability growth was a half a percent well i mean you know what about what about this company that grew at six percent, or what about this one that declined five percent, or what about this one that was up ten percent? Yep. You know that's where you have to boil it down and dig into every single company that you own. That's right. Um, you know that's something we like to do. That's something we we get on here and preach about. Right. You know it's just, we we we're gonna tell you about every company we own, uh, why we own it, you know the details about it. Uh, you know, it just builds conviction. Yeah. You you can also in um in times of good times and bad times, you you can have a portfolio that remains a good value because you pick the right companies at the right, right. times. So there you go. That's what I wanted to get to. <laughs> you got to it. Um the financial lesson of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine that most investors have forgotten. Yeah, uh, 
So if 2000 to 2009 was the last, yeah. So one of the things is, is we're starting a new decade, by the way. Right. Um, here in the next week, we're going into the 20s. So if 2000 2009 was the last decade for investors, 2010 to 2019 was the decade of forgetting. In March of 08, E.S. Browning wrote for the Wall Street Journal that we may be in another lost decade for stocks, like the Great Depression and the 1970s. He was right. Stock investors had their wealth slashed in half twice in 2000 and 2002 and 07 to 09. All told, the S&P 500 had an average annual total return of negative 0.95 from 2000-2009. To end the decade barely below where they had started, investors had to endure a brutal battering along the way. Financial markets tend to base their expectations of the future on the experiences of the recent past. At the end of 09, investors looked back on the prior decade uh saw that U.S. stocks had gone nowhere, value shares had outperformed growth, small stocks had done better than large, international stocks had beaten U.S. companies, emerging markets had earned higher returns in developed countries. At year-end 2009, most investors, individuals, and professionals alike expected interest rates to rise, inflation to return, the dollar to weaken, commodities to boom, and U.S. stocks to struggle. The giant investment firm PIMCO, and its then-influential co-founder, Bill Gross, were actively promoting their scenario of the new normal, which they described as likely to be a significantly lower-returning world for stocks and bonds alike for years to come. Mr. Gross left PIMCO in 2014 and retired from money management earlier this year. So then it says, instead, over the ensuing 10 years, interest rates fell to historic lows, inflation all but vanished, the dollar strengthened, commodities languished, and U.S. stocks earned among the highest returns they have produced in any decade. So, um, what's the what's the word? Um, it's it's a it's a bias uh, where it's yeah. it, it's happened recently to you. Um, I, I don't know, but anyway, it, when you when you boil it down, is that when when you ask the average person and the average investor, you know, what you think the stock market is going to do. Well, they look at, at the recent history, you know, the most recent thing that's happened to them. Well, you know, year to date, the stock market went up 30%. So they're going to extrapolate that to, yeah, next year is going to be great. Well, I think you should really, you know, and, and we've talked about, you know, the, the media saying 10-year bull market and making this false sense of fear right. potentially. But I think you should also be wary of creating in your own mind a false sense of hope. You know, you should you should be wary of saying, yeah, you know, uh, you you had a I remember you had a, a guy you met with one time. He told us a story that he had gone over uh, annual S&P 500 returns and said, yeah, you know, getting 10 percent a year, 13 percent. I'm going to withdraw 10 and I'm going to withdraw 10 sunk him. Yeah, because he didn't get 13 anymore and he was taking out 10 and it torpedoed his portfolio and then you start diving into the principal like we were talking that's about which doing. is is yeah. and then he was eating the, into it yeah and it, and that's the you know he he had created a a bias in his mind that yeah it's gonna it's gonna continue like this for the remainder of my life well what happens is, is as soon as you do that you set yourself up for failure yep you know you you need to create a, a plan that is a conservative plan 
you know, 13, I'm going to withdraw 10. Well, really, he should have been like, well, 13, I think I might withdraw six. Yeah. You know, he still probably would have been okay if he'd have done that. Right. Um, that's that's what we're really trying to, to accomplish is that, you know, we, we don't want to get too high or too negative on anything. Right. We want to do our research. We want to pick good companies, and we want to make sure that, hey, we've, we've built these companies around the income and the dividends that they're paying out. You know, that's that's the fundamental um, objective of our company is to make sure that we've built the income base and we've done research on it and it's going to pay you out in, in the form of income to where that's what you're going to live off of. Yeah. Um, candid, diligent guide. And we'll, we're not always going to tell you what you want to hear because uh, sometimes the truth is painful. When you told that guy that, you know, I was wanting to take ten percent that it wasn't going to work. And, well, he 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 had realized that by that point. Yeah, he'd been doing it, and it was contracting his portfolio. But yeah. you were trying to fix something that had already happened he, instead. He got of- contracted with a portfolio. <laughs> contracted portfolio disease. CPD. Yeah. Oh, is that like uh, oh, what's the one the the concussion thing? Concussion protocol. Oh uh, yeah, but the 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 one where you see your your, your brain shrinks and see yeah. see is there are lots of C-E-D those diseases. Something yeah, like that. yeah. So yeah, it's. I was thinking more of post traumatic stress syndrome. Right, <laughs> that, that after your portfolio. Well, and you know what? That's that's a real thing in 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 investing. You know, the, I, I we still talk to people that say, yeah, I lost I lost everything in eight oh nine. Well, you lost it because you sold it. That's right. You you dove right into that bucket you, of fear. You, you sold it, and well, and it gets back to when when the market dances around. Now, granted, we've been in a good market for some time, but our phone doesn't ring. Yep. The fo- people don't Not much. People don't panic uh, because of the way the portfolio is is structured, mm-hmm. and yep. they know that their income check is or their dividend income is still going to come in regardless. If the stock price is, has gone down. So hopefully no PSTD. PST. <laughs> what right. is it? Did P- I mess that P- up? PTSD. P- yeah, thank you. Folks stress traumatic disorder. Come see us, two three three zero four hundred. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Go Cats against Louisville. Go Clemson. Go LSU. Go Go, go and it's football time in the bluegrass, Tom. Go Tigers. Football time in the bluegrass. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Get down, boy. I'm taking home to the baby.